from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Cows, take a tumble. Cow falling out, you ain't, that's some final destination stuff, man. You don't think about nothing like that. See what happened on a North Carolina highway, flipping your soil. What we've come across is areas where it's so frustrating or unprofitable year after year, or the, the, the salt levels or water levels have gotten so high that um, it doesn't make sense. Why doing less in the long run may mean more as these fields of fiber get harvested. I did not see this coming. I was completely blown away. Some farmers in the Lone Star State are getting a Texas-sized surprise right now on Ag Day. Ag Day, presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when blood, sweat, and tears meet rain, wind, and sun. Pioneer, what's next happens here. Good morning, I'm Clint Griffiths. Happening right now, cotton harvest is kicking into high gear in the south. But drought and summer heat took a toll on this year's crop. USDA reporting 41% of the cotton crop has been picked. That's 2% ahead of average. The Cotton Harvest Tour on Ag Day is brought to you by Delta Pine. Dedicated to cotton, committed to you. In Texas, USDA says more than 41% of the state's cotton is harvested, two points ahead of the five-year average. The Farm Journal sign Morgan is hitting the fields this fall for a glimpse at cotton harvest across the south. And time? How is harvest progressing where you've been? Thanks, Clinton. We're kicking off our cotton harvest tour in Texas this week, and it's a mixed bag. According to USDA, 40% of the state's cotton crop is currently harvested, one point ahead of average and one point behind last year. Harvest is just getting started in places like West Texas, but farther south and east, harvest has already wrapped up. And this year, harvesting cotton came as a major surprise. With every pass, I did not see this coming. I was completely blown away. And every turn. Harvest was a bit of a surprise for this Texas farmer. Cotton is, a, it is an amazing plant to grow and it hides a lot of its secrets until you finally get the leaves off of it and then you go, oh wow, it, um, I, didn't, I didn't see this coming. Matt Kutzenberger farms just outside of College Station and this 700 acre field is planted right on the edge of the Brazos River. Well, actually we had ideal planting conditions, which was kind of a, a shock. And then as, as soon as we planted this, it turned off very cool and we had um, quite a substantial amount of rain. That rain even drowning out parts of this field right after planting with sparse plants and spots, signs of the aftermath. After Mother Nature turned off the water spigot, it went extremely hot. It wasn't just a week or two of heat, but relentless record heat all summer. College Station set a new record of 50 straight days of triple digit temps. The old record, just 30. We saw daytime normal temperatures that got up to 110 degrees. Um, that doesn't even count the heat index. More than the heat during the day, Kutzenberger says the thing that hindered the crop more this year was the warm nights as temps stayed in the mid to upper 80s. Even in the mornings when you'd walk out, it's like opening an oven. It's just that heat, just kind of the, the wind and the heat just hits you. So a lot of this cotton never had a chance to just, you know, I, I would say relax at night like everybody else gets to do when they go home. So that was one of our main struggles as well this year. This area also saw no rain during that time. And Kutzenberger says that made keeping the crop irrigated a major hurdle. Irrigation is, is what I like to call a, a, a rainfall supplement, not a rainfall substitution. 
And this year it was a rainfall substitution and it's very hard to try to keep up when Mother Nature doesn't give you a little bit of a help. Ask any Texas farmer and they'll tell you 2023 was definitely a struggle growing cotton. But that's also what makes these passes with the cotton picker even sweeter. I was amazed that the field that we're sitting in here was was definitely three bale plus cotton and it was actually a shock to me. On the edges of the field, yields were even higher. As Kutzenberger got to the final rows, the cotton plants were laying over from all the weight of the plant packed with bowls. As we were running through the fields picking this and um, and in that corner, it was there, there were some amazing yields by the instant yield monitor. I saw four bale. I saw spots that went four and a half, you know, just in the instant yield monitor. He admits he was pessimistic even a few weeks before harvest, but after they defoliated the crop, that's when this field revealed the truth. You get to reap the benefits of what you sow. And so being able to come out here and, and get in the cotton picker and harvest a crop like this, I was just blown away. I was blown away. Clinton, the one upside of little rain this growing season, the grades and quality of Kutzenberger's cotton crop this year. He was able to harvest before rains finally blanketed that area a few weeks ago, which meant the quality of his cotton is strong. Reporting from your Kansas City studios, I'm Tyne Morgan for Ag Day. All right, thanks, Tyne. For the South, officials in Mexico are working to discover the true extent of the devastation left by Hurricane Otis. The storm slamming into the coast near Acapulco midweek is a powerful Category 5 system. Power outages are limiting the ability to survey or share the magnitude of the damage, and all communication systems in the area are down. Now, Otis marks the strongest storm on record to hit that area. An early season winter storm is finally starting to taper off today, while rain stretches from Texas all the way to Michigan. Meteorologist Matt Engelbrecht is tracking it all. Yeah, as we talked about yesterday and the day before, uh, you got to identify the type of precipitation at this point uh, in the year. Over the next uh, seven days, more rain uh, coming in across uh, parts of Texas, Oklahoma, back into the Midwest may get some light snow showers uh, out here, especially in the higher terrain as we got two kind of separate systems. But quite the rainmaker, what you're starting to see is a trough digging now out here on the West Coast and then the ridge. And it's still strong you know, over Georgia, Florida, and South Carolina. Uh, the rain is going to be riding in between that ridge and that trough as we go through the next seven days. So most of that will be rain. But of course, we got to talk about the potential uh, for uh, some uh, snow showers going forward. And the snowpack has started to build in California. UC Berkeley Central Sierra Snow Lab reporting the area saw just under four inches of snow this week. It doesn't sound like a lot now, but that of course will be going up in the days, weeks and months ahead. They say the system we've been telling you about uh, came in as snow rather than rain, as was initially expected, and they are hoping the pattern continues. Other more in your forecast coming up. After three weeks of gridlock, there's a new House speaker in the House voting on Republicans fourth nominee to replace Kevin McCarthy as speaker, electing Mike Johnson of Louisiana to the post. Now Johnson, an attorney with a focus on constitutional law, was first elected to the House back in 2016, serving on the House Judiciary and Armed Services Committees. Johnson's election as Speaker now allows the chamber to get back to work, of which there is much to deal with, including another looming government shutdown by the middle of next month. The challenge before us is great, but the time for action is now, and I will not let you down. Even with the new speaker in place, pessimism is growing that Congress will pass a farm bill this year or even next year. 
according to a just-released Ag Economist monthly monitor, which is conducted by Mizzou and Farm Journal, the majority of Ag Economists think we'll see Congress pass a Farm Bill extension either by the end of this year or by January 31st. However, getting a new Farm Bill through Congress is a different story. The October monthly monitor showing just over 50% of Ag Economists think it'll be 2025 before we see a new Farm Bill. So I think that's what economists are reacting to is we, the, the political realities of entering a presidential election cycle. And uh, the, the ag economy is generally healthy. So a lot of these uh, changes that you might typically see in a farm bill year, uh, maybe some of them can wait with an extension of the existing uh, provisions uh, and, uh, and budget allocations. Now, the economists say the biggest hurdle in getting the farm bill passed in 2024 is the fact it's an election year. Those economists also say they're concerned about overall legislative dysfunction and farm bill funding issues. A couple of economists point out there's just no urgency in Washington to get a farm bill passed this year. As bird migration continues, highly pathogenic avian influenza is also continuing to spread. It is now spread to 12 commercial turkey flocks in four U.S. states. Among the impacted counties, eight out of nine had previously reported bird flu cases earlier in the year. Now, the outbreak has not only raised concerns about the poultry industry again, but has also resulted in mounting trade restrictions. Mexico, a significant destination for U.S. poultry and related products, has now suspended all poultry imports from the four affected states, Minnesota, South Dakota, Utah, and Iowa. Iowa's Department of Agriculture on Monday confirming cases in Pocahontas County involving more than 47,000 turkeys and about 50 birds in a backyard flock in Guthrie County. And now bird flu has spread to the Antarctic region. The British Antarctic Survey reports avian influenza was confirmed on Bird Island, South Georgia, the first known cases in the area. Researchers analyzed samples from seabirds that died on the island and found they tested positive for the bird flu. Now, officials say the disease may have spread after birds returned to the region following their migration to South America. It was a mixed day in commodities as markets worked to process geopolitical tensions and weather-related issues in South America. We'll have details next. And later, a high-speed stampede. Cattle falling from their trader caught on camera. Details in the country. A federal jury has cleared Sanderson Farms in an antitrust case. The Illinois jury unanimously ruling Sanderson Farms did not participate in a supply reduction conspiracy with other producers in the broiler industry between 2008 and 2012. The accusations against the company were leveled in 2016 by a group of 50 supermarkets, farms and distributors and filed before Wayne Farms acquired the company last year. Attorneys for the company saying in a statement, the verdict vindicates Sanderson Farms and says the plaintiff's case ignored fundamental truths about Sanderson Farms and the nature of the chicken industry. USA reported corn sales for last week were up 53% compared to the previous week, and those sales helped to boost corn prices on Thursday before they dipped back down. Agnes Michelle Rook talks with Garrett Toy in this morning's Markets Now. Grains ending mixed on Thursday. Garrett Toy with Ag Trader Talk joining us. And uh, Garrett, corn and soybeans pulling back after some early strength on Thursday and some pretty decent export news. So what was the problem? Why did we pull back? You know, I just think that we're seeing some technical corrections in here. I mean, it was a positive sign. Corn, as of late, has kind of been uh, finding some support from the wheat markets. And the wheat markets traded to $6 and have since corrected. 
Um, we saw some traction here today, so perhaps we're starting to build something. Um, you know, Dee's corn has largely been in a 475 to $5 range. Um, we're getting down and testing that 475 level again, which was major support last month. Um, I do think that we're in a lot better position uh, today at 475 than we were at uh, last month. Um, Brazilian corn is more expensive. U.S. corn is cheaper with with uh, you know, freight river freight starting to ease and making the U.S. a little bit more competitive. And so I think the next time that we're down at these levels, as kind of evidenced by today's export sales, <clears throat> I think we're going to see more export demand. And that's what this market needs is we're going to find demand at these levels. I think the rally to five dollars. Uh, I do believe the farmer had a lot of standing offers at five or above five, and, and we had that spike above there. Uh, we picked them off, and that uh, helped uh, ease cash here a little bit. But uh, beans have been a bit of a struggle, it seems. Um, yeah. We were close to thirteen dollars. We just can't get the momentum to, to push above at this point. Yeah, and it's definitely been frustrating when you see soybean mill making new contract highs. Absolutely. You know, that's, um, we, it's been an interesting week. You know, we had the fun long soybeans, uh, soybean meal want to liquidate. They, it's all part of this general uh, liquidation of ag assets by the commodity funds. Uh, but the, the meal story remains. Wheat market was able to hold on to gains. Was that just short covering because we had uh, maybe got overdone or oversold? Chicago led the way all day. And, in, in, you know, if it wasn't, it wasn't export related because, uh, you know, they bought Kansas City, they bought Minneapolis, and, and they were the, the two laggards. Um, it was largely, it was largely uh, soft red wheat, and I think it was largely technical that we got down in, in our testing key areas. Thanks for joining us at Garrett Toyang Trader. Talk while we're day coming up. To contact Garrett, call him at 888-745-2020 or find him at agtradertalk.com. So if you remember back, initially we were talking about the, the rain, pretty significant rainfall, especially for this time of year, uh, right into Texas, Oklahoma, back up here into the Midwest. Uh, I wanted to go ahead and pull out the two major players on uh, why that is in the forecast the next a week, the next six to seven days. There's the ridge and that little circle that indicates kind of the strength of that ridge. It's harder to move, it's harder to manipulate. So that is gonna be staying there in the long-term pattern uh, into next week. And then we're gonna dig this trough down here to the south. As that happens, we're gonna squeeze the atmosphere over those locations, uh, which is gonna squeeze the atmosphere out of a lot of rainfall. As that trough tries to build south though, the ridge is going to keep it rather shallow. So what's going to happen is initially we're going to get the wind, we're going to get the rain, but the cold air is going to sag into our Monday and Tuesday. It's not until we get into Monday and Tuesday that that ridge builds off and moves off to the east and that colder air will start to sink in across the Midwest. Now that's a jet stream look on Tuesday. Uh, the signals continue to point uh, to a brief period of cold air in and across the Midwest. I say a brief period because by Tuesday and Wednesday, we're already starting to see the hints of another ridge building off to the west. So if that can continue uh, to translate from the west to the east, we'd be looking at uh, not a cold spell, five, six days of cold air across the United States, or rather one that is going to break down with some warmer, if not average, high temperatures returning to the US, uh, United States by Thursday and Friday. 
Here's a look at that temperature outlook in the immediate future, though. Early November, a lot of blue in and across the area. The ridge starting to build on the west coast. That's why you have those warmer or above normal temps. Let's check out what's going on in Indiana. Sun and clouds with a chance of an evening shower high around 75 degrees. Oklahoma, windy, mostly sunny, high around 57 degrees. Angel fire up there near Tallis, mostly sunny, high around 60 degrees. Efficiency is the name of the game for farmers, but some acres just aren't great at growing grain. Ideas about flipping your soil via subtraction next. Flip Your Soil on Ag Day is brought to you by Nutrien Economics. Expert advice when you need it. Learn more at NutrienEconomics.com. Farmers looking for ways to flip their soil may want to consider taking certain acres out of crop production. Ag Day's Michelle Rook joins us to explain. When grain markets are strong, there is more of a tendency for farmers to plant fence row to fence row. However, does this really pay? This is part of the precision economic analysis being conducted at South Dakota State University. High grain prices can incentivize producers to farm every acre in their operation to capitalize on those extra bushels. However, this can often put marginal acres into production. Over time, producers have done um, done more to try to farm a few more acres or you know, they have the equipment they can they can put a few more acres into production that maybe was a field edge or um, had been more predominantly pasture or something else. Additionally, when farmers purchase or rent new land, they can also find out quickly that not every acre is suited for cropping or is profitable. SDSU Extension is helping farmers identify the areas that can end up costing them money through the Every Acre Counts program. It's a program that focuses on marginal land uh, in South Dakota. Uh, those uh, marginal lands are too dry, too wet, or too salty. Bly and Deerson lead the Free Working Lands program and say their precision profitability analysis looks at many factors that influence margins beyond just yield and market prices. What we've come across is areas where it's so frustrating or unprofitable year after year or the, the, the salt levels or water levels have gotten so high that um, it doesn't make sense. In that event, he says it may be better for the farmer and society to return the land to native grass and try farming it again in five to ten years. Plus, they help farmers decide what to do if they have lower wet spots in the middle of fields or salty or saline soils. So, a little bit in the short run with pulling it out, putting it into a perennial. Uh, the intermediate run is those marginal areas with a cover crop. And then the whole farm profitability is a long run goal. And um, addressing the worst areas, improving it all should make the overall farm more profitable. And in the meantime, you get cleaner water, better wildlife habitat, and uh, you know, it, it, it looks better going down the, um, down the countryside. Um, so all those are positive benefits. I'm Michelle Rupp reporting for Ag Day. Up next, a gateway to highway infamy. How an open gate and falling cows were caught on camera. That story next. We all know what kind of chaos can ensue when livestock get loose. Now imagine that times 10 on a busy road. Watch as these helpless heifers take a tumble out of a trailer and onto Highway 49 near Harrisburg, North Carolina. 
Sergio Coelho, capturing the moment when the cow started falling out of a trailer. Now in the video, you can see the animals gathering on the side of the road and the door to the trailer hanging on by a thread. Now Sergio, leaving the cleanup to the experts. If I had me a rope, some boots, you know what I mean, and my dogs, I'd have yee-hawed them home, I tell you that much. But somebody getting fired. The good news here, all of the cows are reportedly okay. No word on the future employment of the driver of that trailer, though. All right, that's all the time we have this morning. Thanks for watching. From all of us here at Ag Dam, Clint Griffiths, have a great day. I'm Farm Country.